You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Orlando Eastwood, director of On the Road, The Search for Bigfoot, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show. I'm your host, Aaron Frail. On Aaron's Horror Show, we're going to go ahead and read some horror fiction and talk about horror in all its forms, books, movies, you name it. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can go ahead and contact Aaron's Horror Show at Gmail or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hi, welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for coming to listen to my podcast tonight, or morning, or day, or whenever you happen to be listening to this show. Uh, that You know, uh, for uh, those of you that have been listening for a while, you know that I occasionally interview people on the show, and the tables have been turned. I am the subject of an interview. Yes, people have interviewed me, so uh, by people I mean Jim Cobb. Uh, Jim Cobb, the host of the wonderful show called Library at the End of the World, he interviewed me. So yeah, I, I have been interviewed. So if you want to go ahead and uh, check that interview out, it's Library at the End of the World. It's episode 41. And uh, yeah, check out my interview. Uh, basically, I, you know, write... In addition to horror, I also write uh, science fiction on the side, and I wrote this uh, dystopian series called Atmospheric Pressure 2. The second book is uh, coming out August 22nd, and uh, I went ahead and did an interview about that book in, you know, the Library at the End of the World podcast. So yeah, if you're interested, go ahead and check out episode 41. Oh, and by the way, if you want to kind of check out the series... The first Atmospheric Pressure novel is free. Yes, completely 100% free. And it doesn't matter where you read your ebooks, it's free wherever you get your ebooks. So if you have a Nook or a Kindle or any, uh, you know, type of e reader, just search for Atmospheric Pressure, Aaron Frail, and, uh, you'll find it there, and it will be free, and, and that's the first novel. The second one, unfortunately, uh, for those of you that are on Nook, it's only going to be on Amazon. Uh, right now, I'm bound by Amazon's, you know, uh, terms of service to only be exclusively on Amazon, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to have a blog post that kind of talks about the, you know, economic decision behind that, so if you're kind of interested, but but, you know, just to let you know, it's, you know, I, I can only kind of exclusively put my stuff on Amazon and it's an economic decision at the moment of why I do that. And so, you know, if you have a nook and you're like, man, Aaron, WTF, why the heck do you not ever have anything on nook? 
uh, it's mainly because my bread and butter become, you know, it's from Amazon, and you know, I'm 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 sorry at the moment, I I, I can't afford not to. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's the situation. If you want more info, you can check out my blog, AaronFrail.com. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead and talk about movies tonight. Horror movies, yes. I want to talk about a fun little movie I saw on Netflix called The Titan. The Titan is kind of a science fiction horror movie that uh, reminds me a lot of The Fly. So if anyone saw The Fly, it's this 1980s movie with uh, Jeff Goldblum as the star where, you know, like Jeff Goldblum is trying to like teleport or clone himself. I forget exactly what he's trying to do. I, I think it's teleportation. Uh, but either way, what happens is, is a fly kind of, you know gets in the DNA scanner and then his uh, DNA is fused with a fly and he starts changing shape and by the way this is kind of a funny thing you know like in the 80s I think there was this obsession with especially like ripped and muscly dudes I mean I mean watch Predator and you'll kind of see what I mean by that you know like like Arnold and Jesse Ventura, which coincidentally are both governors, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they that was the trope of the movies in the eighties, and and you know Jeff Goldblum, no exception to that rule. Yeah, you don't think of Jeff Goldblum as this like ripped, muscly dude, but watch The Fly, and you'll be like, man, Jeff Goldblum, you're a ripped, muscly dude. So you know, yeah, that's the eighties for you. Everyone had to be ripped, muscly, even Jeff Goldblum. Uh, so, you know, the, the the Fly is this, you know, movie where Jeff Goldblum turns into this creature and, uh, you know, this this creature that he becomes is, you know, kind of hideous and, and, and he starts becoming more and more, I guess, fly-like throughout the movie. And, and the Titan is kind of our, you know, Netflix version of the Fly, but not as successful in, in my humble opinion on it uh you know and and the only reason is in in the fly there's a perfectly plausible reason of why he's suddenly being fused with fly dna like and and of course once again i say plausible in the sense that if you you know buy into everything else that's ha you know happening yes of course this random fly being on the uh scanner when it scans oh yeah that that makes sense of why he, he he's being fused with it right like in 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 the science fiction world whereas in titan uh it, it it's kind of like a really really kind of far off concept and even more far off in the sense that uh it, it's it you know in in some science fiction movies there's kind of like this uh you know, we, we have a problem, and we're going to go ahead and take a solution to this problem, but the solution is going to be totally off in left field. You know, it's not necessarily the most logical or cost-effective solution, but it, it's a solution, you know? It, you know, in, in the sense that I, I think this is where, like, you know, in, in science fiction movies, uh, some people get kind of lost in the sense of, like, like, well, why'd they decide to do it that way? It seems like there's, like, more, you know, easier solutions that, that you could think of. It, it, so, you know, uh, for example, in Titan, uh, there's this 
global catastrophe that they are a little bit vague about, you know, like, like there's some newscast about Los Angeles being hit by sandstorms and radiation. And then there's this whole speech from the kind of main scientist guy that turns out to be the main villain that he's like, you know, we're going to lose half the population in 10 years and another or maybe I think it's the food stores. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, yeah, everyone's going to starve in 10 years and half the population will be dead in 15 years or something like that. And, and this is our only solution. And so, yeah, if you think about it, there's some environmental problem. Half the people are going to be dead. The stores are, the, you know, the food stores are going to be completely dwindled away. What's your solution to that? More efficient crops. Uh maybe siloing people in a city or or maybe bunkers or you know maybe you know kill the population yeah this is dystopian narratives we're talking about it's terrible stuff right i don't know there's a lot of different solutions but no in this movie the solution is genetically modify people to go live on titan no it, seriously that's the solution to the environmental disaster instead of trying to fix the problem here on our planet, they just decide to jump ship entirely and go to a planet that is first off way too cold, and second off, I think there's like, you know, lakes of pure methane and, yeah, negative 200 degrees weather and probably nothing you can eat, which, by the way, they never address. So, you know... When you're, you're thinking about this idea of genetically modifying people to go live on Titan, you know, uh, you figure they went, you know, you, you, you got that far, you're genetically modifying the people to live on Titan. So when they get there, what are they going to eat? Because, you know, as far as we know, there's nothing else living on there. And, and you know doesn't matter if you're like a carnivore or a vegan you got to eat something else that lives on this planet right whether or not you're eating kale or a burger right <laughs> at one point that thing you were eating was living right so uh yeah uh if there's nothing alive on titan what do you eat that, that's my only kind of big critique of the movie but uh you know uh it, it, it's kind of funny because you know uh, going back to the fly narrative, I think they did really well in that aspect of it. Like, like I think, you know, they, they, so the basic premise is this, uh, soldier, you know, he, he goes in with his family and of course, because the world's going to hell, he volunteers himself for this Titan program. Like, yeah, genetically modify me. I, I'm happy to do that because I want my family to have a, a decent place to live. And that's totally an understandable motivation, right? So what they're doing is experiments on him and they, in exchange, his family gets a pretty decent life. And I, I think that part was pretty solidly done. And, and there is actually, you know, a lot of different soldiers that also volunteered themselves for this program that they all kind of were in the same situation. Like, you know, my family gets a better life and I just have to be a genetic experiment. And, you know, in this disaster world i think that's actually a pretty solid choice so you know it, it's interesting that that part of it i thought was well done I, I i thought they did well in the sense that you know in the fly jeff goldblum's kind of like 
a single dude just hanging out by himself, you know? I mean, yeah, there's other people in his life, but, you know, in this part, you know, in, in Titan, they gave him a wife and a kid. And so when he transforms into this kind of monster-like being, uh, which, you know, the transformation is obviously like they're trying to genetically alter him so he could live on Titan, and that's why he turns into a monster. Uh, but adding the whole family element, like... Yeah, that's kind of good. That's kind of scary, right? Because, you know, is he going to harm his family? You know, is he going to remember his family? All that kind of stuff. They're able to play off of that kind of stuff, which I think is kind of the heart of the movie. But, you know, it's once again hard to buy the premise. It's hard to buy the premise of, like, we're faced with this environmental disaster. All right, let's genetically modify people to live on Titan. You know, like, yeah. It's like, like, gotta get through that before I can enjoy the rest of it, you know? Uh, so, yeah, maybe I'm, you know, being a little bit too anal on that one point. But, yeah, so, anyways, here nor there, he, uh, you know, eventually turns into this weird, you know, creature that somehow can live on Titan, but not Earth. But strangely enough, you know, he he's fine on Earth pretty much the entire movie until the end when they have this spoiler alert by the way they have the shot where he is a uh, on uh titan kind of just hanging out and this is of course where i was thinking like what is he going to eat it's like a barren wasteland out there sure he can breathe there and live in the really cold temperatures and methane lakes no problem but what's he going to eat there's nothing out there but him. Uh, anyways, they get him to that point, and, uh, you know, there's this whole, you know, trope of uh, of his family kind of banding together to, you know, uh, kind of save him, even though he's a monster. So, you know, he turns into a monster, he kills a bunch of people, and those people, of course, are attacking him. So he's he's justified, but... You know, his wife kind of sticks through with him to the end, and the sort of big bad researcher, you know, gets a big army unit to pull their guns. And, and this is also another weird point in the movie, like, you know, at, uh, once again, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, they're kind of hunting him down, and his wife has decided that he's still enough of him to to fight for this creature, you know? And and she's hiding him away, and, and you know, the the research guy comes in with a bunch of like commandos and they're all pointing guns at her and he orders them to shoot and of course he says kill the wife and the child and we got to get to him and that's you know when the the leader of the commando says no i won't kill women and children and they all point the guns at the researcher and and that's how it kind of ends you know like like haha we were right to stick with family and stuff like that and and it's it's just kind of a weird ending because, you know, why would he order these commandos to shoot her and the child? I mean, you know, if you're if you're thinking about that scene, they're in the middle of this super secret research like base. They're really not going anywhere. You don't need to shoot the wife and the child at that point. That's just kind of like like overkill. <laughs> you, you know, like like like, they're already 
like, surrounded. <laughs> they already have a bunch of dudes with guns. I mean, really, if you want to do, just just wait until someone needs to use the bathroom or wants a drink of water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't need to kill anyone at this point. You got them surrounded. So, uh, yeah, like, kind of a, a strange ending. Uh, kind of a strange movie. I, I, I would say if I compare The Fly to this movie, I, I enjoyed The Fly better. But I also think The Fly kind of removed a lot of the artifice in the sense that there's not necessarily, like, a lot of reasons for why things happen. It just, there was a fly when they were cloning his DNA. And it got mixed with his. Hey. Whereas in this one, there's a bunch of, like, strange setup to make this creature movie happen and in the end it's it's a creature movie you know like like it's a normal guy that eventually turns into this weird creature that kills people and 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 yeah it's it's you know kind of scary in some parts and it's you know i i would say it's worth watching but you gotta you you gotta kind of turn off your logic circuits and just say yeah, this could happen. And once you turn off your logic circuit, you know, it's a great movie. Great. Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and actually do some tuners next. I know I said I'd do Orion, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having a little trouble kind of switching off between tuners and Orion. And I, and I And I also think it might be a little confusing for you, the audience. Like, I think, you know, if I keep switching back and forth between the two novels, uh, you might, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know if it works, especially, you know, even if I'm doing the podcast every single week, which I know I haven't been in, in recent weeks, but, you know, even if I was doing every single week, you, ha- you kind of have to have a recap. And, and then with that, I think, you know, the next iteration is going to come out, you know, two weeks, four weeks from now, you know, like, it just kind of gets a little bit hard to track what's going on, I think. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. If you could always send me, you know, feedback if if you, you know, disagree with that. But uh, yeah, I I think it's a little hard to track. So I think what I'm going to do is finish tuners. So we're going to get through the entirety of tuners. And then I'm going to start from the beginning with Orion and read you Orion uh, through its entirety. So, you know, uh, stay tuned for some tuners next. And, you know, for those of you that are like, man, Orion, I really love that. I need Orion. There is actually a professional version of Orion out there on Audible. Yes, I know Audible, you have to pay for it. And actually, you don't have to pay for it. You can sign up for a free month of Audible and, and get Orion completely for free and then quit before your free month is out and listen to the entirety of Orion. So if you really are jonesing for Orion, you really need to complete that story. Go to Audible. The The actor that does that is like way better at reading stories than I am. Like, like he's awesome. Like I'm going to have him read as much of my books as, as I can. In fact, he's actually reading the Atmospheric Pressure 2 novel that's coming out on audiobook. Uh, so, yeah, he's doing that one, too. Uh, you know, but if you really want Orion, you can get it right now. Listen to it in its entirety. Uh, but if you're like, man, I ain't paying for anything, that's 
completely fine too. I will eventually read it on this podcast, but I just want you to know that it's going to be a little bit because I'm going to finish the Tuners. Oh, by the way, Tuners is a three book trilogy that I'm writing. So, uh, yes, this book will finish, but there's going to be some more, uh, more Tuners after this. But once I finish Tuners, I'm going to go ahead and read Orion because I know people wanted to hear Orion. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and, and yeah, once again, read Tuners. So, all right, I guess that's it. So Tuners up next. Thank you. You know your favorite sparkling water, Bubbly? Well, guess what? It just got better because Bubbly is growing its family. That's right. Bubbly now has Bubbly Burst. Bubbly Burst is a sparkling water beverage with extra fruit flavor. An extra burst of fruit flavor for an extra burst of fun. There's zero sugar added. It's low calorie. It's the refreshing bubbles that you love in Bubbly, but... It's 1% juice. Each sip is filled with a flavorful refreshment that adds a burst of fun and happiness to your day. And just like choosing amongst your favorite child, it's impossible. There's so many good flavors. Peach mango, triple berry, cherry lemonade, watermelon lime, pineapple tangerine, and tropical punch. I can't choose a favorite. But don't take my word for it. Try it for yourself today. Find Bubbly Bursts in a store near you. Chapter 15 When John finally got the door open, the stairwell that they had just come down was trapped in a solid blue block. He could see a cultist stuck in mid-scream deep within. It was like the mall was encased in an aquarium, frozen in time. What was that? John said. It's the ceiling goo, Abby said between breaths. It's the only way to prevent the universe from collapsing. Think of it as lacquer for the universe. You could have warned me. We've never sealed one that big before. In fact, I've never seen it grow like that. John spotted a quarter on the ground. He picked it up and put it in his pocket. Hey, it's my lucky day. You know, you probably won't be able to spend that without risk of contaminating. She trailed off in mid-sentence. John picked her up from the floor. Abby? Has anyone seen Ludi? Abby said. I think I need him to patch me up. John lifted her jacket. There was a large wound on the side of her clothes, and they were soaked in blood. A piece of glass was stuck in her abdomen. Her head went limp. Stay with me, Abby, he said. He tore off his jacket and wrapped it around her. He managed to stop the bleeding, but she still wasn't out of the woods yet. He knew enough that if he removed the glass, she could bleed even worse. He realized that the earbuds were dangling from his pocket. He shoved them back to in his ear and said, Hector! Hector! Do you hear me, Hector? At first, there was no response. Then he heard Hector's voice. John, where are you? We've lost your feed. Where's Abby? She's with me. She's hurt, John said. Listen, you need to find a spot and tune back right now, Hector said. John could hear the urgency in his voice. There are cultists who survived the ceiling. They're converging on your location. There are too many to fight. I am recalling the team. John heard two cultists from around the corner. I think I heard one of them over here, one of them said. 
he looked for another way out. Aside from the sealed entrance, the only other option was a hallway leading deeper into the building. John dragged Abby down until he saw a door. He dragged her into a janitorial closet and locked it behind them. He held his breath and listened. Footsteps walked towards the door and stopped. The hand jiggled. He heard a blade eject. Another cultist said, Come on. The police of this world have surrounded the place. Die in a blaze of glory. Die in a blaze of glory, the other cultist said, and they ran off. Hector, Hector, John said, but there didn't seem to be any signal. He was too deep in the basement. John found a first aid kit in the janitorial closet and did a better job patching Abby up. He contemplated trying to get a better signal to reach Hector again, but didn't want to get caught in the crossfire between the police of this world and the cultists. He imagined it would be a brutal fight. John wasn't sure how he was going to get out of this. When he remembered his tuning device, he pulled the TF3 from his jacket. The device unlocked with facial recognition. Like a smartphone, there were several apps on. There was even an email app with a message welcoming John to the team. He swiped through the screen until he got to the tuning app. The terrible music played while he spun the dial. He heard different hums in the background. They were weak and distant. He eventually found one that he thought was Tuner's HQ. He walked around the basement area until he found a spot where the noise was loudest. He went back for Abby and dragged her to the location. The basement rumbled and shuddered as he heard an explosion. The hum buzzed through his ears, and he got close to the spot. He concentrated again on the hum. It sounded right. John was pretty sure it was the noise of Tuner's HQ. He held Abby's hand, and he hit the tune button. Alright, thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear my interview, once again, Library at the End of the World, episode 41, you can Google it and listen to it. Uh, yeah, and hear about my next writing adventure. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and, you know, if, if you have to save the world from an environmental disaster, think of the most expensive, costly solution that, that you can design, and then implement an entire secret base around that solution, and don't forget to cost the taxpayers a lot of money, because of course they'll vote that procedure in. Anyways, short of that, if you're not going to do that, well, you might as well listen to, you know, uh, the Real Paranormal Activity Network. Because Real Paranormal Activity with Aaron Hunter, which, by the way, got me into this entire thing. Like, like real ghost stories, man. Like, like the reason I'm here right now is because one night I said, I want to hear some ghost stories. And... And I searched for podcasts about ghost stories, and there was Real Paranormal Activity. So, you know, Real Paranormal Activity with Aaron Hunter on Monday nights. And then, of course, I'm on Tuesdays. And don't forget Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays. Terry has some really good historical stuff for you. And then also the Sandman's Lullaby. You can't forget that. That's kind of cool because, you know, the Sandman Lullaby has... You know, it's all about dreams, and it also, you know, 
talks to a lot of artists and a lot of a lot of musicians about their dreams and i i really think that's kind of neat because i think dreams and inform artists a lot of what they do like like i i've i've done a lot of stuff that that i've written based on dreams and i imagine there's a lot of you know music artists out there that also do stuff on dreams so you should check it out and the sandman's lullaby comes out well it comes out usually on thursdays but uh it will come out whenever it comes out all right well thank you so much for listening and uh have a good night and uh don't worry about the end of the world the government is too incompetent to really end it they can't even get social security right if they can't do social you know if they, if they can't do like healthcare, social security and all the other stuff why are they, you know, nefarious about anything else? Think about that. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.